Welcome back to It's Not Magic, our Sixth Street podcast. We invite influential leaders and founders to get to the core of how they've built their careers and stand out in their areas of expertise. We have a terrific guest to kick off our season four, a special guest from a company that's part of our sports investing portfolio. She's charged with bringing culture and community and humanity into everything the franchise does. It's section 212, row 16, seat four. What is the perspective and what is the vantage point from there? How can I see very opportunity from that vantage point? That seat holds a lot of power for me of like a responsibility I have to something much larger than myself. That's Dr. Kara Allen. She's the Chief People Impact and Belonging Officer at the San Antonio Spurs. Do you really ever talk to an incredibly rare, special person? Kara Allen is this kind of person. You're going to hear about the Spurs. They're great partners of ours. They have what they call a get-over-yourself culture that comes from Coach Popovich. We try to live that at 6th Street. You're going to hear about that. You're going to hear about Kara's view and her connection with sports and how sports really is a vehicle for connection and for healing and in terms of reaching out to the community. Carolyn, thanks for joining us. This is great. Thank so you. nice to have you here. I, I think it's it would be um, podcasting malpractice if I didn't start with uh, mentioning Victor uh, Wabanyama because he debuted for you guys last night. And I don't want to talk about his basketball because I would be unqualified too. But he's a 19-year-old guy, right? And so I know the Spurs um, are so focused on culture. And so in addition to this young man being a great basketball player, he seems like a great human and someone who's got a lot of intellect and a lot of character. Is that important in the organization? Critically, right? Yeah. You knew the answer to that before you asked. I'm certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But that's it, right? That's at the end of the day, I think pop has instilled values, beliefs, culture, tradition into the way we do things that we, we have to bring people into the space for the next generation of the team that holds on to the core. That doesn't mean that like it's the same thing. I think that's a really a really important differentiator is like Victor is his own brilliant human. He's different than the Timmy that was a brilliant human and the Manu that was a brilliant human and the Tony that was a brilliant human and all the other players on our team team over the years. Having said that, Victor is as you have seen, um, is is as legendary as they say in terms of stand up human. So that has to. I mean, that obviously is a, a crucial part of your job is, is, is fitting into that culture, fitting into that. How, how does that work, and how did you get acclimated to that when you, when you started in your role? So I think that there's a—I came into the organization never intending to work for the Spurs. I came in the organization as a consultant. Um, I didn't realize that. RC asked the question to our, his leadership team at the time, RC, our, our CEO, asked the question to our leadership team at the time, essentially, like, we— what do we stand for? And and one of the things that they realized they stood for was community and community impact. Um, and they had gone through the strategic visioning process. And out of that, they realized, well, wow, this is one of three strategic objectives that we have at the organization. Right. Where is that show? How do we know? And other than having a nonprofit on the side, Spurs Give, which I'm also the executive director of, you wouldn't, you might not know you might not know that impact was part of the Spurs culture. Right. And so, well, what do we do? How do we show up? And how do we as an internal organization know and tell the story of what we do externally and internally to take care of people um, to do impact work? And so I was hired as a consultant. They said, can you interview 10 to 20 folks and figure out, like, what it is that this, what, what does this Spurs mean to community, right. essentially? About 260, email, or 260 interviews later. Um, here we are. I will say before that, 
I did my first presentation with the with the team, and RC probably tells the story infinitely better than I could. But after that, was like, yes, we got to make we got to make space at the table at the leadership table for this work to to permeate throughout. And you're talking about RC Buford, the CEO of 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 the Spurs organization, incredible human. That's right. Incredible human, incredible executive. Um, but w- w- how does that work? Like, how does he talk? Ab- how does he talk about the sort of mission and the and, and the culture, like what, how does that permeate downward in the organization? Sure. Two things, right? I'll say one, our values are pretty lived, which is a really easy thing to say, right? It's a really easy yeah, thing totally. for most folks to say values are lived and they're not just writing on the wall. Um, and I'm going to co-sign on the easy thing to say with backup, right, of, of what does that look like for us in action. One of the things that I think, the other thing, right, one is the values and the way that the values show up, which drive our impact vision. Um, it, the second thing is, there's a lot of humility built in NRC's statement of like what is like what do we do in community? Like we know people love us. People paint the Spurs brand on their garages. Right. You know, like we are a we are a religion in San Antonio. Right. An incredible that is family. That's family. And also, dig deeper. Like what are the ways in which we know San, San Antonio is better, different? Folks feel like they belong because of the work that we do. We didn't know that yet, and he didn't know. So RCS, the question of like, I don't, what is it? Like, I don't know, and I'm not the right person to figure it out. Who's the right person to help us figure it out? Did you need persuasion? I mean, you're coming, you weren't in Texas. You're coming from the educational world. It's where your PhD is. Like, you've been a teacher. You've been working in nonprofits. Like, was it a natural transition to go to a sporting organization, or were were you like, no? And you need to be persuaded or what? So, one, I love sport. I could run my mouth about sport and basketball forever. You were a basketball player uh, in high school. Right correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. And uh, I've been out of Indiana for since I graduated from Purdue. Right. My mom and dad are getting older and we're in Indiana. They're going to be so mad that they heard me say that. And my, <laughs> my, my, it's, nice, it's nice to assume they listen to the podcast. Correct. That's right. That is real fair, sir. <laughs> um, my sister and brother are both in Chicago. Yeah. And so... Made the decision, like, I'll bring my 10-year-old my to, to Chicago and lay down roots there, which is not a comfort zone for me. So bought a house, loved Chicago, was, that was home. And then R.C. said, come to San Antonio. Okay. Um, listen, like, the opportunity for impact is the story. And so I've got a kiddo who calls me mom, who's now 30, um, who's at UC Davis at medical school. Oh, great. And... I called her and, and asked her, and she said one thing. Um, I said, what do you think, like Texas? And she said, um, you've always told me one thing, Mama. And I said, what? And she said, enter the fire. Like, that's the work. Like, enter the fire. Go where it's hardest and do your best work. And I say hardest because the things that we do on the impact side, right, like, I love ball and I love sport, and I believe in the power of sport deeply. And also, there are real complex things to solve, both in Texas and in San Antonio and in America yeah. and beyond. Yeah. Am I naive enough to think that we're going to solve them alone as the San Antonio Spurs or Spurs Sports Entertainment? No. Um, and having said that, is there a platform for us to drive some real opportunity for conversation, for engagement, for action? Yeah, that's it. Oh, my God, we have so much to talk about. Okay, so <laughs> let's, start with, let's start with sport. You love sport. Why is it so important? Well, I mean, there's like, I mean, we we obviously believe that we're invested in sport. We obviously think that the, the Spurs are an incredible organization, yeah, right. and you guys have been incredible partners for us. But 
it plays a big role in society. Why? And and then let's talk. Then we'll talk about how you know all the other stuff you. Oh, it's a philosophical yeah. one. Yeah, totally. Um, so I mean, it's it's actually a really valid like engage. I, I could talk. We used to have tea for this yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, I there's as a as an athlete myself, right? Yeah. There are things that sport does, whether or not we name them true. Sport does it. And I think as humans, we have a responsibility to respond to the things that happen, that occur. So for instance, sport is healing. Healing is a, is a hard word for folks, particularly those of us who are, are white and or white. It is, it's, a, it's a strange word. Healing feels strange. Unless you're talking about, hey, I healed from my cold. I healed from my sickness. I yeah. healed from a broken arm. Yeah. But like healing from hurt, healing from trauma, healing from the injustices that exist all around, like that's a different thing, and it's hard to talk about, and particularly in the business world where we want metrics and measurables, we want to see change today and tomorrow. Yeah. Um, sport is healing, and and sport brings people together, and I have to, I tend to believe, like maybe I'm going to sound all Pollyannish at the end of this, but I tend to believe that as humans, like we actually crave that, we crave the connection, we crave the belonging, we cr- we also crave excitement and we crave competition. Um, and it heals. So I, th- I, I, I'm not sure that that's the answer, but it's my answer that like sport, sport does something, sport entertainment, maybe a little bit of music, right? Like, yeah, yeah. but there's something unique that brings us together that I think we have a responsibility to use that for something good. So we'll talk. I want to talk about obviously the the community work, but let, I want let's focus inside the arena for a second. Yeah. So the the opportunity for for healing, for connection, for coming together, is I, I assume it's part of your role to try and cultivate that even more. I mean, the, just going to a game is probably you know half the battle. But like, w- what kind of environment are you trying to create inside the arena to to make that even more likely? That's right. So I'm not one to name a title except to say when a title it, it when a title informs a community about a decision or a priority. So RC our made a decision to add belonging to my title, which as if chief impact officer wasn't already a strange thing in the MBA in the first one, chief people impact and belonging officer feels all sorts of soft and and a lot of questionable things. We define belonging pretty pretty clearly. Uh, You can bring your authentic self here. And that is about our humans within the organization, and that's about every single human who steps into that arena, who believes in the brand, who paints the brand on the garage, who, yeah. who wears the T-shirt, who saves money and goes to school, dresses up with the spurt. Right? It, it is all those people. In the arena, we have a responsibility to do whatever we can to let everyone be seen. All of them, right? Their whole identity, their whole self. And so that absolutely means that are there inclusive spaces for folks who might be overwhelmed by the noise? Yes. Does it mean that there is food that uh, is home to San Antonio, though it might not be home to arenas around the country? Sure. Yes. I've mean, got a culinary residency program that is truly only dedicated to local restaurants who bring their food into the arena. Awesome. Um, but it, it is really listening to community and then doing whatever we can in that pocket, in those couple hours, 41 games a year, to let people feel like this is their way in. 
This is a spa. This is a home spa. I've also heard you talk about like there's a response. You, you, it's part of your responsibility to kind of reflect values in um, in what goes on in the arena, sort of away from game day. Like, can you explain that? Yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, we have this in a tremendous space, an enormous amount of space that we take up. Yeah. Um, so that sometimes that means being a a registration site for voting. Um, that means that. We host nonprofits who need to do board meetings there or celebrate galas there. Uh, that means that before games, um, on all of our sort of cult cultural heritage celebration impact nights, um, or bringing folks from beyond within and beyond our community to engage in hard conversation, difficult conversation. Um, it means that it gen. I mean, think of what's a gap that we can fill with the space we have of responsibility to use well. And that's just, we kind of ask ourselves that question and, and fill in the blank. We're going to figure out how we can make it happen. Got it. I want to go back to this. So, so they persuaded you not to stay in Chicago to go there. You're running to the fire. I want to talk about the fire in a second, too. <laughs> You're giving me so much to think about. The, the It's a blank sheet of paper. It's a new role, like first impact officer, and then all the other titles that you have. What, 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 were you, what, what did you start putting on that blank sheet of paper? Like, how did you start organizing the function? <laughs> Well, I'll say my center remark, I have a requirement to have a different center than a lot of folks in the organization, right? We have a leadership team of six and we're business and we need to make revenue and we need to do things that drive revenue and drive fan engagement and drive the next generation of the consumer to the brand. Um, and all those things are important and valid. And my responsibility is to community. And my responsibility is to build community, maintain community, and grow community. Uh, and so I require of myself to take a different perspective on just about every conversation we have. That doesn't mean the thing I think is right is the thing we're going to do. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, um, that I'm right and the, thing that I see, the way in which I see it. But I say that to give an example of we have a lot of conversations about season ticket members, the front row clients, Right, like in game, how was their experience? Yeah. The, th the first thing I did when I got into that arena in December, I moved to San Antonio in December of 2021. Right. Section 212, row 16, seat four. It's the top row in the corner of the arena. What is the perspective and what is the vantage point from there? How can I see every problem from that vantage point? How can I see very opportunity from that vantage point? And I use that as an example of like, and I don't, I've never actually named that for anybody. And I was thinking about sort of like, why do I think about this work different? It's because like that seat, um, that seat holds a lot of power for me of like a responsibility I have to something much larger than myself, of course, but much different than the ways in which we traditionally think about sport. Yeah. So when you sat down in that seat, you know, metaphorically or actually, like, did you, like, what were you like, oh my God, this is... This is this is not an ideal experience for this person who's sitting in this seat. What, what did you change something? Like what did you that's do? That's awesome, yeah. right? Like that's that's the enter the fire moment. Yeah. And uh, it, the beauty of the, this role is that like I, I'm not responsible for creating anything new. I'm right. responsible for listening, 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 and then doing our best to act well and with intention and with clarity. Say no to things that aren't right for us, and saying yes to things and saying yes well. Saying no and and saying yes well. We talk a lot about moving at the speed of community, but that was it. Like, what's community telling us we need to do? And then how do we integrate that? And or how do I push on conversations that otherwise might not center the people who whose voice I want to make sure are heard? Yeah. And 
so the question, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm still not getting to it, but the question being, right, like, what is, what is it? Nothing changed for me. Like, that's what I've always done. So the beauty is, like, I just keep showing up the same way. It's funny, you keep talking about listening, which is, um, I heard you on a, it, it, when you, when you, you know, kind of wade into the sports world, you realize just how, how focused people are on their team, right? Which is, and I am too, which is crazy. And you were on like a, 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 it was a podcast or some kind of program that's like a daily program updating on what's going on with the Spurs. And I'm sure there's plenty of things to talk about every single day. But you were on, you were, you were opening a, um, a community court, Acme court or something. I don't know what that's that right. is. Yeah. That's right. And either you or the host of the program, I can't remember who said it, and I should have gone back to listen, said like, oh, it's so great to hear the community back alive. Like it was a, it was a, it was a very nice moment. Like what, what did that mean to you? Uh, that's it, right? Like yeah. I can, I know exactly the moment you're speaking of, and um, I love the sound of an arena, right? Like we just th- yesterday was remarkable. Last night was re- hearing our first game back in, um, in the arena is incredible. And also, nothing brings me happier than a basketball on an outdoor court with young people in joy mode. Yeah, that's great. With their parents, like that's it. That's, that's the work yeah. we get to do. Yeah. And be fair, the nerd in me will tell you that you build a basketball court in a community and crime goes down. And so, well, that's not the story that's sexy or fun or that we're going to put on the jumbotron. Like that's the reality. Right. So if I know the if I know the center and I know the data, then I'll quietly work when people can think I just talk on podcasts and, <laughs> and smile and laugh. Right. Like, but when I, when you sleep, I'm I'm digging into the data to figure out like, all right, what are the most transformative things we can do with the resource we have available. Which brings up the topic of sort of priority. So, so okay, but now, now you're going out into the community. Let's talk about San Antonio first, because obviously there's a whole San Antonio. There's Austin, and there's San Antonio, Austin, Texas, and then there's the world because it's a global brand. Correct. So let's. I want to talk about that too. Yep. Um, I'm I'm starting to feel like our list of things to continue to follow it's on good. is getting a little disorganized, but it's okay. How do you, how do you get out there, and how do you hear what the community is asking you to do? Mm, a couple a couple ways. One. Yeah. Uh, we have a responsibility as an impact team, not just me as a human, but uh, as an impact team, yeah. to model for the whole organization how we constantly listen and learn. Um, that's a lot of really little ways. So someone just celebrated a, a 100th birthday. She's a legacy in San Antonio. But because of a friend of a friend of a friend, somebody learned that like her dream has been to sit courtside at a Spurs game. Oh. But that's as community as anything else. So get to her and get her the courtside ticket. Yeah. Get her there. It's just that easy. Yeah. That's community in the same way that it's building a core and it's creating space for healing and it's showing up in uvalde and it's all the different things we do. Yeah. Um, it, but it, you, you mentioned it earlier. I, I am nothing if not a steward of teaching folks how to stop and listen. Yeah. Like slow down and listen and pay attention. Don't just hear, but listen. What's that skill? How do you how do you cultivate that skill? It's really important in everything. Investing, doing the work you do, everything. Confidence in self. I mean, to be fair, it sounds maybe when we're now we're going to a whole new whole new class. We're going to have a talk, conversation about, sir. <laughs> uh, when we stop centering our own identity, stop centering our own ego, um, and we focus on sort of like what is the mission at hand? What's the what is the work? What's the work? It's bigger than self. It's bigger than ball. Uh, Pop says, "Get over yourself." Yeah, I think in order for us to get ourselves, we gotta have confidence, safety, trust that I'm okay, I'm safe here, I'm trusted here, and if all those things are true then go out and go be great and just listen. I'm not asking you to deliver anything but your ear and a response, yeah. a meaningful, intentional, honest response. Yeah. And then, like, let's let's move like ducks, like real, real fast underwater to do the rightest thing, but we listen first. And so I think 
the first step for me has always been like, how do I ensure that the folks around me feel safe and trusted and valued um, and that they don't know it all and that's cool and we're going to mess up and it's cool and right. also go listen. We're going to be all right. Right. How do you, how do you, um, you, you, need, a, you need a great team and, and a, how do you hire for that? Mm-hmm. Um, hire people smarter than me. Yeah. You know that, right? Yes. Hire people smarter than me. Um, but again, like I think I'll go back to like it's an ego, it's an ego-free conversation, which is to say like where where are you really good? Um, where do you also want to go? And what gaps still exist in the work that we do? Right. That is one piece. Two, we can have real conversations about who's representing the people in the community. Um, and that for me has also been important. Like whose voices are at the table when not everyone is at the table together uh, and in having the hard, those hard conversations. Um, and then I think maybe finally, and how, how are we aligning on what our, our vision as a team is constantly? Like how do we realign on that and, and ensure that we, are on the same path because go ahead no 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 because uh, our work when we talk about impact people often think it's like just the community community relations piece like community relations is a very small part of the work that we do but really the DEI work the the um, the crisis response work the people and culture building work the impact, that's all under one umbrella for us for one reason like it all has to be approached through the same lens yeah and so we we have to stay focused on like the ways in which we believe that the team has to move in order for us to execute on those visions. But you reminded me of a conversation um, we had last season with Rick Waltz, who's a, a friend of our firm. He's on the board of of our uh, of Bay FC, our NFSL franchise, and was the president and CEO of the Golden State Warriors. And he he is very was very insistent on the sporting side, the business side, and to your point, the impact on every side needs to be kind of singing from the same hymnal. And 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 there has to be a culture of excellence and rigor like because then it reinforces each other and the value stuff reinforces it so how, how do you how do you do that how do you and, and, when, and when you're going to those rooms because you were talking about section 212 this is a very compound question i apologize but you, you're talking you're going to those rooms like we need to take this into account too or let's let's reframe and look through the right lens like what are those conversations like how do you make sure that we're all thinking about it the same way yeah pull back the curtain yeah. I landed a little bit ago in San Francisco, right? Um, our, C, our CEO calls me and says, we need somebody, a body, to be the connection point between basketball impact and business. Oh. And this is a lot. We have had an org design conversation more intentionally for probably the last six, seven months. Yeah. But like, what is the right design? So my short answer is, which I don't really give, let's be real, but like, we don't have it all figured out yet. Yeah, sure. We don't know. Um, we are making a couple of big bets right now, um, but the nerd in me will also tell you that none of those big bets work if we can't sit in a room and, and trust each other. Um, we did when I we did this exercise, a, a mousetrap exercise, which will tell you I ran summer camps for a long time before anything else, and was a teacher for kiddos who didn't often weren't interested in learning the traditional way. And um, the mousetrap exercise is you progressively get to a point where you and I, as partners, you're blindfolded and I can't touch you, and all I can do is talk to you and teach you how to move your hand above the mousetrap and put the in in dislodge the mousetrap with on your hand without snapping a finger, which takes a lot of trust, right? Yeah. And I share that to say, like, 
I can tell you in the 10 minutes of that activity, who in this room is ready to build trust and trust. And when you're not in the room, I have basketball's at best interest in the room. Yeah. When you're not in the room, I have revenues. I have the interest of revenue in the room yeah. for you. Yeah. That's hard to do. Yes, it is. Um, we don't have it figured out yet. We're building the, we are building a few models to test and learn and see if we're going to get it right. And it also starts at the top. It's Rick is right. Rick, and, and I think Rick models that and has driven that in the same way RC is modeling that and drives that. The, the amount of um, learning across boundaries that that, the, the possibility of that that presents, because if as a sports fan, I'm not, I'm not a, an, af, an athlete in any kind of way, but like as a sports fan, you look at teams and, and you, the, the different, sometimes the difference is like, do they trust each other? Are they working well together? And you have to instill that so quickly as a coach or as a, as a GM or whatever. And presumably if you're working on that at the executive level and across, like that can redound to the benefit of the sporting side and vice versa. Is that, is that real? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we talk about one SSNE. One SSNE is like right one for sports and entertainment. And what does it mean to be one SSNE? Um, how do we exist and live and name and exist in the tensions between these priorities? Yeah. A good example. So we have three, those three, three strategic objectives. Uh, we have seven key initiatives that we're executing on right now as an organization. The whole organization, every town hall, yeah. you will hear about the key initiatives. Um, you go onto our intranet, you hear about the key initiatives. You talk to one of your leaders, so you're hearing about your key initiatives. Yeah. Those key initiatives each have an approver. Our purpose-built global partnerships team, the approver is me. So that means that we do not say yes to a partnership of any size, be it naming rights, jersey patch, right on down, without me as the oh, approver. Oh, very interesting. Which is to say, we have said no to six and seven for your partnerships because they do not align to our impact strategy. So that's real, you're putting your money, the organization is putting its money where its mouth is in terms of values. It's impressive, not surprising, but impressive. You mentioned Uvalde, um, obviously a terrible tragedy that that community is gonna be working through for generations. How do you, how do you walk into that in, in terms of some of the fires you're talking about? You walk, in, walk into that with, with, with grace and credibility and there's gotta be some degree of cynicism as to you know, why is the professional sports organization here? Like, how did, how did you do that? Because you've gotten incredible results and feedback and forget about awards, you've gotten awards too, but that's not why you're doing it. What, 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 what do you do? How do you do that? Um, credibility is all for the Spurs, right? Like the Spurs and the brand had credibility long before I was there. Sure. I'm an outsider. I gotta earn my, earn my stripe in San Antonio, earn my spur in San Antonio every day. And I receive it, I love it. I love the accountability that that community holds me to, um, or our community holds me to. And um, so I read an article, like everybody else was overwhelmed and, and like every, I, I, as you can imagine, I'm getting dozens of messages a minute. What are we gonna do? What's Spurs response? What's the NBA response? What's the Texas NBA team's response? What's the Texas pro sports team's response? Mind you, I've, I've been in pro sports for eight months. I've been spending my lifetime running nonprofits. I don't know, I'll tell you what a nonprofit does, but sports team is gonna do something really different. So I root on like what I know to be true is like, let's listen to community. 
So I'm listening and reading, and I read this story about this girls' basketball team, Tree City Spurs, and their name is Spurs. So I'm like, I wonder who coaches the Spurs. Well, it's this guy named Steven. Well, what's Steven? I'm, I'm looking this man up on Instagram. Steven's a barber in town. He was a barber in town. So I go to find the barber shop and Google the barber shop, and I call the barber shop number. I was like, hey, is this Steven? And it's silent. I'm like, Steven... This is Kara. I work for the Spurs. And Stephen hangs up, hangs up the phone. <laughs> I was like, all right. Okay. So 20 seconds later, Stephen calls back. I'm really sorry. What's your last name? I said, it's Kara Allen. I, I work for the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, can I call you back? And he hangs up the phone again. So the man Googles me. And he calls back. And he's like, okay, do you have any media with you? No, sir, it's just me in my office. I'm skipping a meeting right now, but I found your number and just wanted to call. Um, and Steve and I ended up talking for a while, and he's coach of this team, and he's got 11 girls, and two of them were murdered at Rob Street. Okay. Rob Elementary, rather. Um, and so I just kept listening. Like, Stephen, Erica, his wife, what do you need? What do you want? What do you need? We don't need a scholarship fund right now. We don't need a story right now. We need these media to leave us alone so we can figure out how we heal. Cool, we are here. We are here. Um, same thing with the city, same thing with partner, our staff who are from Uvalde. Um, ask the honest question, what do you need? And then wait and listen to the real answer. If we would have centered ourselves, I would have launched a fund immediately. Right. It would have been on Twitter, and we would put it on Instagram, and right. we'd ask the NBA. We, we could have done all those things. As a matter of fact, we got, if you dig deep, we, there were negative comments about what the Spurs weren't doing. What had the Spurs given to you, Valdi? Zero point zero zero dollars. Right, everyone's looking for the immediate, the easy. I don't care. Yeah. You know, in our comments, you're like, what do you get? Yeah, that's hard for you in your eighth month not to care about that kind of press. Well, how, did you, how did you? I, I would rather get fired and lose my job yeah. for caring about that message than ever make anyone in Uvalde feel like they were the center of the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Like there's, there's no question, there's no but, and there's no comma. That's a period. And after that, how do we truly take care of each other? Like we got impact jackets that say take care of each other. We have a responsibility to live that mission of taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, and so we did, and we do, and we still do. And did we launch a scholarship fund? Yes. Those kiddos will leave... Those, will, those kids will leave high school. Whatever happens next in their world, they will have a significant number of dollars that they receive that is just theirs to choose it, do, do as they wish. Yeah. Do they also need H-E-B cards for groceries because they can't go back to work yet because they're exhausted? Yes, we got you for that too. I will never forget. There's a longer story around the new practice facility, the old, old practice facility, but the short story is our practice facility the team was in at the time. Listen, we want to do something to just bring joy to this, just this team. Um, this is the practice facility that the, that the professional cool. basketball team is in. Okay, okay, got it. So let's bring the Tree City Spurs and their families and the families of those who, the girls who were lost. Um, and let's bring them to the practice facility and let's give them all the love. The half court, the halftime and the timeout games that we play on the basketball court, let's bring them in. The Coyote, let's bring him in. Coach, let's bring them in. Players, let's bring them in. No cameras, no story, just love and just joy love, yeah. and be together. Yeah. And I will never forget that moment. Yeah. I will never forget 
the, the stories that come from those little pockets of joy, right? Does that solve a crisis? No. But what does sports do? It brings people together. It unites people. To, it heals folks. And it allows folks like to see, the, see, to see and be seen. And that doesn't solve, right? Um, but it does. It might make it a little better. It does, better. yeah. yeah. Um, and there are other things we can do and solve on the, on the side. Um, but sometimes we just got to do that work. The Uvalde story, I think, is I, I, I never want the story of the, an award or any amount of awards about the work that we do to overshadow, one, the, the tragedy and the horror of the ways in which we exist in the world. And I will name for you the clarity with which the organization as a whole had in response to Uvalde is why the Spurs story and the Spurs brand remain so true, that our staff all went out to volunteer, that we took the whole open scrimmage to the Uvalde High, to Uvalde High School and ran it out there, and our staff made the fair happen, and our staff were there, you know, sun up to sundown and then some, and planning for it. And then the training conversations, our staff were like, well, how do we talk about it? And we, let's not use the word parent. Like, what do you, how do you say? Well, yeah, every family looks different. Why do I not use the word parent? Because every family looks different. Maybe you live with grandma. Maybe you have a, um, you're in the foster care system. So how do you talk about it? So what do you say? Well, if a kid's less than eight years old, just say, who's the adult you live with? And if they're only eight, you probably say caregiver and they'll know that language. And it's like, we're a prof- professional sports team. There's no responsibility that we need to have that conversation. But it's a little thing that folks learn that to get better see, as a result. I ask this deliberately as a follow-up question, not because I want to turn to clinical business stuff, but because you, that story is all is all about doing doing it the right way, doing it in a sustained way with grace and with with class, if I can use that word. Um, how do you scale that? <laughs> is that even? Are you thinking about? I mean, does that matter? I mean, it kind of matters. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, mm-hmm. even just in San Antonio. So, what? How do you scale that? Um, so. Scale's an interesting question, right? So what are we trying to, are we scaling grace? You know, like what's yeah. the scalable, what's the scalable thing mm-hmm. that we, we should talk about? Are we scaling culture? Um, and, or are we scaling response to tragedy? Are we, so, so the short, the longer answer is like, I'm curious, like what's the scalable thing that you want? And let's, let's dig deep there. For me, the way in which I think about the question is, with the, resp- with the tools that we have available, knowing the business priorities as, as well as the community of fans, which we call family, right? What is our response? How do, how, do we, how do we connect those? Yeah. How do we authentically connect those? In two weeks, we'll head down to Mexico where we built two new basketball courts um, and we launched a, our Youth Basketball League there. Um, we have fans in Mexico. Uh, it, since Victor joined, um, we have 4,000 new se- season ticket accounts, new, t- new ticket accounts, and our highest growth is in the Hispanic population. Yeah. And now, of course, there's a business reality to that, but also that we're community. I see you, you see me, I see your identity. I use Hispanic because Hispanic, Latino, um, that identity is a, it is a family for us and for them. So respond, go do the right thing. Those folks who buy tickets, I would venture to guess that not everybody in their surrounding community, family, 
or circles of identity, all has the opportunity to buy tickets, whether by geography, economic ability, etc. Okay, so let's go to them and get them what, the, what we can with what we have. That's the scalable piece, right? Yeah. Like, we, we aren't, we can't solve all the things. We won't. Right. Um, but what we can do is listen, who are our people, um, listen to the people who can't come into the arena and still want to be our people, Yeah. and understand what they need and want, and use what we have to go get it. And know when to say no and. Sorry, my last piece. I think... Explain that. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> no. You didn't have to say please. I was still going to explain this, sir. <laughs> um, so, early childhood education yeah. is critically important in Texas and everywhere. It's critically important. There are lots of players doing really good work. Well, Carol, why don't you launch a first community leadership institute around early childhood education? Well, because that's actually not our focus area. It's not. We are not experts at that. That we aren't unique in that. So, no. And. I know how to find all those people. And I know that because of the nonprofit space, the ways in which organizations work and the ways in which government structures work, philanthropic world works, we often don't take the time or know who's going to have the money to bring us all together to talk about the things that are working, um, to talk about the ways in which we can amplify and scale the things that we do it better together, and to do joy. All right, so find the 10 providers 10 funders and the two governmental agencies who are supporting the work in San Antonio and the surrounding area will give you the impact suite for the night. Take the impact suite, come in an hour and a half early, engage. I can facilitate if you'd like us to facilitate, or you can just have the space. You go do your thing. You, you are, we give you the space. You go be great. So that's my no and. I'm not, I can't dedicate can't all of that. our team yeah. resources to it. I can allow what we have to ge- allow you to get better. I want to follow up on, a, on a, a, one of your themes, which is having hard conversations, getting around the table, and, and link it. I think you were linking it, too, to walking into the fire in particular, maybe it, whether it's because you're in Texas or because of our current environment or whatever, and I don't want to make assumptions, that some of the ideas that you're, or, and principles that you're subscribing to are not popular with everybody, mm-hmm. and you meet resistance mm-hmm. to those things. How do, What's the method? How do you handle that? Like, what's the? That's hard. Mm-hmm. What do you do? We listen. Yeah. Um, for me, like that's the work. And to be honest, like that's what makes me happiest about the work is that we've created an atmosphere. Not that we've always gotten it right, or that we always get it right, but we are creating an atmosphere where folks feel comfortable saying the thing. Um, saying the thing like that doesn't work or we can't do that. And then we dig in together. Um, it was easy. I, I was a CEO for nonprofits for eight, 19 years. And so I got to make the decisions. And obviously there's going to be pushback from board and otherwise, but largely with data to pr- prove the, dr- the priorities and the decisions that we make, like we keep it moving. Well, it's like running three different nonprofits, all of which have different priorities, et cetera, right? We've got business and basketball and impact. And that's cool. Like, that's where the tension lies. And so um, I had a conversation with an investor yesterday who was like, well, like, why do you always feel so, why do you always feel so calm when it's messy? So like, like, that's it. Like, that's where the work is, right? That's where the magic happens. Um, And it's also where I think we reveal ourselves the best. 
You've talked about um, the work being cathedral building work. What is, explain <laughs> that. I think I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. So I think sport in particular, more than anywhere else, right? Like we want to see you put a new human in the game, right? You see an opportunity, and the results change on the court. Um, you make some shifts on offense, shifts on defense, and you see the results change, ideally, right? Like, that's a theory philosophy. In a business, similarly. In impact, sometimes, like, it takes a little bit longer. Um, and to be honest, like, if we're real, in business, it takes a little bit longer as well. Sure. And for me, the cathedral building work is a reminder that, one, we just have the responsibility to lay a really good brick, right? That you, you whether you lay one brick or you spend your lifetime laying 130 bricks. You're still laying bricks, and you're still not building a cathedral with 130 bricks. But if each of us take our bricks responsibly and keep building together, then, like, that's the cathedral. We're building something that we're never actually going to see the outcome to. That's so cool. Like, I will be long gone by the time my vision for the Spurs is true. And nobody will say, what did Kara do? And everybody will say, look at this brilliant way in which impact lives, drives, and flourishes for the Spurs, for the San Antonio community, and for the Spurs family because of the work that we were laying bricks doing now. You, you, you kind of you alluded to this before. It's like in all of our work, we want to measure it. We want, you know, we <laughs> want metrics. But that longer view is like maybe the metrics are almost they don't. It's not they don't matter, but it's it's you have to have a, this longer view so you're, you you don't lose sight of sort of like the, um, the, the impact and and also the patience that some of the stuff is generational. How do you how do you resolve that tension? Because you're still responsible to a team Correct. and, and Correct. yeah and investors and all that kind of stuff. So how do you? How do you do that? Both things true and know yeah. what I had to put on, right? Yeah. Both things true. I know who's in the room with me and I know the things that they're going to need to hear. And I know that we, I also have a responsibility to keep us focused on the cathedral. So if I both name the cathedral and back it up with the data, um, that's that's how we do the work. We just have to be okay with, you know, RC. Now, he, he will now say it often like, okay, Kara, both things can be true. Yes, I'm going to name that all the time, right? Both things can be true. It's the social worker in me, right? Like it is so much easier to see a black and a white. It is so much easier to say data tells us we do X, so go do X. Yeah. All right, and is X the right thing for that long vision? And if not, why? And if so, how do we do both things really well? We ask the question. Both things true which is a non-answer, and also the exact answer. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. The magic is in the two of those. Yeah. Next five years, what are, you, what are you guys, what's, what's, what are you hoping? What's, what's the, what's the, what's the, what are the next couple of bricks in the cathedral? What, what's the legacy you're building? Let's put this in practice. One, I'm going to tell you, take care of each other. Like, if we, if we stop that, then I'm out, right? Yeah. If we don't, if folks don't feel like they belong here, then we're doing the wrong thing. I'm not the right leader. And I got to, like, that's my vote of no confidence to myself. And that's community's vote of no confidence to me. Um, both things true. By 2030, I want us to ensure that 10 million girls and women have access to sport because of the way in which we show up mm -hmm. at all costs. Because we know that 94% of C-suite executives who are women played sport. And we know what girls in sport does for graduation from high school, for pregnancy, right, for feelings of belonging, for mental health, safety. Like, we know all these things to be true. And by the way, you know as well as anyone, investing in a women's sports team is awesome. It's necessary. It's actually necessary even when the dollars 
seemingly, quote unquote, don't make sense. They make so much sense. They make so much sense. Do you know what else makes sense? When a men's sports team does that. Yeah. That's not hard to understand. And that's doing that in all the ways. There's not only one way to do that, but it's showing up and it's ensuring that we're dedicating resources to do the hard thing. So I say both things true because both things are are true. Take care of each other and drive that data. Make decisions that ensure that 10 million girls and women have access to sport because of us. We started with Victor, um, and I, th- I think about these guys in, in these sports and the women in the women's sports. They're um, they're good at they're very good at a particular thing, and then they show up and there's these bright lights. And sometimes they're really young, and victories from France. Like I, I have great empathy for them because that must be so hard to do. At a kind of different level, it was an adjustment for you as well. I mean, this is like now you're in like the public eye like it's that wasn't your career necessarily how's that going (laughs) well one i'll say so my 10 year old said the other day mom victor's like the tallest teenager in san antonio (laughs) it's crazy like that's it he is a human and a teenager first yes and our responsibility is to see all of our players as humans first they are awesome humans right and like all of us learning humans and so we do that first right um Two, I've, I'm an open, I've always been an open book. Um, the things that have not gone well in my career have been because I've tried to be the thing I thought I was supposed to be as a leader. Interesting. And I'm confident enough in who I am and how I show up in this work now that I can, t- there is, my, my relationship is maybe the only thing I keep private. It is a thing that is like I have to cherish. Um, but beyond that, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm all here, because here's the thing, like I, my responsibility is to community. So my, my responsibility is also for you to know who I am as a human, not as an executive, not with a title, but as a human who is going to get dirty and do the work alongside you all the time, all the time. I'm gonna walk every floor all the time. I'm gonna show up alongside our staff all the time. Um, I don't understand the, like the public eye, but I also am uninterested in not being this person because I owe it to community. So here we are. Gr- growing up, whether it's playing basketball or in school or getting your PhD or a- a- along the way, a mentor or a teacher that, that like are a role model that you particularly think about yeah. when you're doing the work? Oof. Um, I think adults have a responsibility to be pretty brilliant. Uh, kid, young people, like I do, I'll do all work for young people at all costs. Um, that's as a human in the world, less so as a as a leader of the Spurs, though also for that. Um, but I have always been both motivated by and driven for ensuring that young people have what they need to go be great. And so... Is there someone who did that for you? Um, there's, there's people who taught me how not to do it, okay, yeah. who are also mentors sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. and the real, I mean, my mom and dad are stellar humans. I'm saying that partially because I called them old earlier, but also because, <laughs> you're balancing the scales. <laughs> but also because, I mean, I, I, 
I learned a lot of who I am, not because we are all exactly the same. I am, I am just like my mom and dad. I'm not. We, I'm very different. Yeah. Um, but they taught me how I, a nurturing space to go be great in the world. And I feel like I have a deep responsibility to create nurturing spaces to go be great, to let other people go be great. Awesome. Um, you mentioned Victor and, and sort of the, 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 fan, the fan base changing somewhat overnight. Um, and it's skewing a lot younger as well in addition to selling a lot of tickets. How does that... Like, what, what is that demographic? What does that fan base need, want? That's maybe different. I think. I think this. If I if I recall correctly, the Spurs fan base went, or or ticket holders, or whatever the right metric is. I don't remember exactly. We'll we'll put it up on the on the site. Went from you know somewhat older and oldest in the league to youngest, like very very quickly. That's right. How does that change your work? How does that impact your work? Yeah, so all all of what you read and learned is correct, right? Overnight, that's 4,000 new accounts. Half of those are either Gen Z or millennials. And so we went from one of the oldest family bases in the league to the youngest family bases in the league. And so we hired a behavior economist to help us understand, like, who are our fans now and what do they want and need? And while we are learning and will continue to learn a lot, and, and our behavioral economist is, a, is an incredible human who's helping us unpack what all this is telling us, um, one of the things we know to be true and what we hear, have heard from the beginning is that our people want the impact work. Our people want bigger than ball work. Um, and that's not indif- to, too different than why I think businesses are learning For around sure. the new generation, right? Like it's bigger than business, it's bigger than brand, but let's go be great in the world together and, you know, summarize and, summarize and oversimplify, right? But our fan base is the exact same. The new fan base, the older fan base doesn't not want that, by the way. I think an important asterisk here is our older fan base has been uh, deep in community and has a deep commitment to community. And if you ask them, as I did in the inter- in do in our sort of ongoing interview process with community, it is the work, it is how and why we show up, which is aligned to our culture that's so important. What's really cool is that in this new generation of fan, we have a both a com- sustained commitment to the impact work and an elevated um, accountability metric by which they're holding us to, to do, continue to do great work. What do you do? I mean, you mentioned the, the it's true in business too, and it is. And, you know, I think lots of businesses, including ours, find ourselves being asked to speak out on topics that are timely, painful, lots of different things. And sometimes you might be asked to, you know, speak on things that you don't agree with or that aren't aligned with your values or maybe you're not sure if you're the right person to be talking about it or wading into it. How do you guys handle that? That part, nobody ever, everybody feels like we got to have the answer. Right. We don't. We just simply don't. So can we name when we don't have the answer? And then can we name how we're going to go get it? And maybe we need to do it together. Yeah. So there are times when our affinity groups or ERGs or you know, however you want to name it are critically helpful. There are times when our network of people who... Um, we see as experts in their areas of work come in and help us make sense of. But I think if we, if I take a step back, um, prior to joining the Spurs, post the murder of George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter, in the Black Lives Matter movement, the Spurs didn't do anything right away. The perception was the Spurs didn't do anything right away. And what the Spurs did was stop and think, what meaningful work are we going to do both to take care of our people here who might and are be wondering, be hurting, be processing. Um, And what can we honestly commit to 
that isn't for us to feel good about being in the world, but actually like, all right, we're going to continue this. So one, the organization launched Spurs Voices, which was genuinely like a deep dive into like meaningful, authentic, hard conversation, hard um, acknowledgements of our own staff telling the stories of the injustices, the racism, what it that what they have experienced and what has occurred, yeah. which it still lives and that we've grown over the last couple of years. And then two, RC, along with other uh, 12 other CEOs across San Antonio launched Corporate Partners for Racial Equity, which continues to pour over $13 million into San Antonio. And now I sound like an advertisement, but I will, and I will say, it's part of the reason I came to the Spurs is that like, but how do we drive meaningful conversations and meaningful progress? policy change when necessary and possible to do this work. Well, a non-dilutive capital fund just for black-owned businesses in San Antonio that also gives it the training and development to be a sustained and growing business, even in the economy, which with all of us are navigating, that's the work. That's cathedral building work, and that's generational work that we're doing. So that's, I think, maybe an answer and not an answer, right? How do we respond? Listen, like, don't be the, don't say the thing to feel good about saying the yeah, thing. Exactly. Be honest about knowing when and how you show up and be honest and acknowledging when you don't know the right thing to say. I mean, we, we've been in that mode. Like, and what, what do we anchor back in, by the way, is humanity. Like, how are we showing up for humanity? I'll be a little presumptuous maybe and, uh, and maybe just express as a hope that the, the alignment that I think our two institutions feel is because of, of that. Like, like, it's hard to listen and not have the immediate reflex response. And it's also um, better, but also harder to, to have the, uh, the patients actually go do the stuff that's and right. actually do it for real in a way that's going to work. And that means you can't, y- y- it takes time and you got to actually be thoughtful about it, which is, you don't really have time for that anymore these days uh, in, in a lot of ways. I sound like an old person, but I think it's true. Well, maybe we're both old together, but it's it's also less sexy, right? Yeah, I think exactly. that's the thing is like it's you can't capture it on an Instagram post. and You can't capture it the same way in a headline. And okay, go do the work. Yeah. Right? Okay. So let's acknowledgement. Let's acknowledge that. Let's also acknowledge when we need to do work to tell stories because we have a responsibility sure. to tell a story. Sure. Um, and... Let's just go do the work. Let's yeah, figure out. And it it's is. more sustained, and it's more real, and yeah. it's 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 in the end, it's a, it, it's better for it's better. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna end it there. Kara, thank you. Thank you. This is a, a delight. It was an Super honor. Super fun. Yeah. Thank I you. Really appreciate you being here. That was Dr. Kara Allen, Chief People Impact and Belonging Officer for the San Antonio Spurs. We sat down in San Francisco on October 26, 2023. I think. You heard from her about what it's like to build a new function inside of a great organization. Uh, You heard about the power and the importance of of humility and what I think people call servant leadership, and I think she's kind of emblematic of that. You heard how important it is to have the right tone at the top of an organization if you want to get great things done. And and finally, I think you just heard about the the power of stopping and actually listening uh, to yourself, to your team, and to your community uh, if you want to get great things done. So Thanks to Kara Allen for the open and honest conversation and all of our best to her and to her team and to the San Antonio Spurs for the rest of the season. Thanks. You've been listening to It's Not Magic, a Sixth Street podcast. You can read more about our guests on sixthstreet.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it. 
and follow it at Sixth Street News on Twitter for more news on the show and our firm. Thanks to Sixth Street's production team, Patrick Clifford and Ritvi Shah, putting this together with sound engineering by Stephen Colon. Our theme song is It's Not Magic, an original creation by Patrick Dyer-Wolf. Once again, I'm David Steepleman. Thanks for listening. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sixth Street, and Sixth Street is not providing any investing, financial, economic, legal accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. Please see additional disclosures on our website for more details. Thank you.